You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast. Where you'll get proven strategies to start and grow your online business from in the trenches digital entrepreneurs. EntrepreneurIgnited.com. Launch your online business. Live your dreams. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to skip the hype, skip the BS, and just give you guys real actionable tips, strategies to help you grow your business on the internet. This is your host, Derek Gale, and today we're going to be diving deep into uh, funnels, online marketing funnels, and our guest today is considered one of the authorities on creating profitable marketing funnels. This guy's worked uh, with uh, the A-list of marketers, the who's who of digital marketers. His agency marketing funnel automation creates campaigns for some the biggest direct marketing companies out there. And I love getting guys like this on the show because he's got such a broad um, view of what's working. He's not just working in one specific niche on one specific campaign saying this is what's working here. He's saying, here's what I'm seeing across the industry. So we, I love getting guys like this on the show. So without further ado, I'm uh, excited and honored to welcome Todd Brown to the show. Todd, thanks so much for being here. Oh man, my pleasure. Super, super pumped, man, to be here. And I love the fact that it's no BS, no hype, because that means we could get real and down and dirty with your listeners, man. Well, that's it. You know, I, I now go off on a tangent here. One of my beefs, there's so many pod, I listen to lots of podcasts and stuff like that. And so many of them are just fluff, right? Yeah. They, they never get into the good stuff. They never, they never get deep into topics. And uh, I love it when I get real experts like you and we can go deep into, into things and give real value to the listener. But before we do that, can you just give me a... And the listeners, give us uh, the Coles Nose version. How did you become the funnel guy? Like, how did you get started as an entrepreneur? What was your journey leading you to be this funnel expert? Yeah, man, I'll, I'll give you. I'm gonna I'm gonna share something that I I don't think I've ever shared on a podcast before that I think will be great for your listeners. But so I've been at this game. Well, let me get the fluff out of the way. Uh, uh, this is some background. So been at this for about um, decade and a half. Um, direct marketing started really mainly offline, a lot of small space advertising, uh, at the time was working with, uh, massage therapists. My background, uh, is in nutrition and, uh, and fitness. Uh, and so when I was in, I, I used to live in New Jersey, you know, brought up in Jersey, worked for a monster health club company for a number of years. Uh, that's when I was first exposed to direct response marketing, started learning from guys like Gary Halbert and, uh, and Dan Kennedy implemented the stuff that I was, that I learned from them in the fitness company that I worked for, um, had tremendous success. My department like shot to the, to the top. We were producing millions of dollars a year uh, in personal training. And then I decided I wanted to kind of dip my toe in the world of info publishing. And so I decided to share with massage therapists what it is that I had done in the fitness company uh, to grow revenues and our clientele and whatnot. And then that thing, you know, grew uh, really quickly. Uh, then I ended up leaving the fitness industry, uh, running that business full time. And then I want to skip ahead and I want to, I want to skip ahead to you asked, how did I become known as the funnel expert? Well, let me be brutally honest with everybody to, to share what I believe is a very valuable lesson. And that is the truth. I engineered that. What I mean by that is that so um, I was fortunate to uh, throughout my journey, I was a partner with Rich Sheffrin over at Strategic Profits. Brilliant, brilliant dude, brilliant marketer, tremendous connections. He introduced me to really most of the biggest players that I know today, you know, Mark Ford, Clayton Makepeace, Jay Abraham. And um, and uh and I, I did a whole stint with Rich for a couple of years and it was great. Now it, it became too much for me running, you know, the, the marketing at strategic running my own companies. So I stepped out of strategic and I said to him, I, I, you know, I, <clears throat> I said to him about a year after that, I said, look, man, 
I want to start to share more stuff again that we're doing uh, in our companies with online marketers. But I don't. I I know I can't simply be just another person in the field, right? I don't want to be another guy teaching general internet marketing. I don't want to be another guy teaching traffic, right? Like we know mm-hmm. that at the root of marketing, man, there has to be differentiation. And I said to Rich, I said, look, right now I'm seeing a trend. This was, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is, three years ago or something like that, three and a half years ago. I said I'm seeing a trend that more and more people are starting to talk about funnels and use the word funnels and talk about sales funnels and and marketing funnels. And right now I said, there is no authority. There is no number one individual. I said, so I am going to stake my claim on that space, begin teaching the stuff that, um, that we're doing with funnels. Cause we were getting some phenomenal results at the time, $24 a lead on certain funnels and whatnot. And, um, and that's what I did. And that's being brutally honest. It became this combination of, you know, I believe that I had the chops, mm-hmm. but I, I, I orchestrated that positioning. I strategically created, um, this, view in the marketplace. I'd love to tell you that, right? Like I'd love to sit here and say, Hey Derek, it happened naturally out of my skills and knowledge. Um, like just naturally I was crowned or coined as the, the guy, but I orchestrated it and, and brought it to fruition. Uh, and so that's the brutal honesty, man. Well, God, I mean, there's such a big lesson in there for our listeners as well, because, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with people, when I'm doing conferences, stuff like that, you know, people say, Hey, I see this, this idea, this business, this niche, I want to go into it. But, um, but they say, you know, I'm not an expert and, and I always start out there. I'm like, well, what, what is an expert? Right. And there's this natural tendency to believe that you need to have some kind of formal certificate or degree. And okay, you know, albeit if you're going to be a, you know, a medical doctor or something like that, you probably should have a, a certificate. But in an, in a space like you're in, what's more important than the education is the result. Yeah. And, and you, like you said, you have the chops, you've gotten the results and you have the track record. So it's easy for you to go in there and say, yeah, I, I am the expert and l- let me point to these results. And, and, and I think that branding is, is smart in how you positioned yourself. And uh, so I think that's awesome. And I, I love how you're just very candid about it w- with the listeners here. So, uh, so right now, and t- Derek, I've, I've like for your list, I've never shared that on any other podcast. That's typically like, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff with our tribe that I'll share. But I do think, man, that, you know, like for everybody listening, like, you know, I think you nailed it, dude. You don't wait to be crowned or coined with a title. You've got to stake your claim. Like you've got to recognize that so much of marketing, right, wrong, or indifferent, right? Like I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, it's engineered, it's engineered. Perception is reality and there are right. And it's, 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 it's engineered, you know, and that's uh, such a huge thing that I hope everybody gets. Yeah. And, and, you know, here, here's the reality is if, if you can bring value to someone and help them improve their situation in a specific niche and you have the, the knowledge and maybe you don't have all the knowledge you're going to have in the future, and maybe you're going to get better at what you do. But if you can help people create something different, you can be their expert, right? Amen, uh, brother. Amen. Absolutely. So true. So okay. So let's let's dive into funnels. You know, I'm I'm going to start kind of high level. We're going to start at the beginning here because funnels are. I'm not going to call funnels a new concept. Um, funnels have been around for a while. I think the term marketing funnels really um, blowing up. I think in the last few years. Um, and it's funny because you said uh, there weren't any experts in marketing funnels. And when I started online, I mean, got back in the 90s, you didn't even really need a funnel. You sent people right. to a long copy sales page they bought and and, and it, was very, it, was, it was a lot easier. But I, I think just by virtue of the sales cycle now taking longer, more options, more stuff going on, it, you need to have a, a bit of a funnel. But what is... How do you define a funnel for somebody? If somebody said to you, hey, I'm just getting started. What the hell is a marketing funnel? What are you going to tell them? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And and let me say this. I I couldn't agree with you more. Like, look, you know, right. I said, you know, that this is no fluff, no BS. The the reality is that, you know, the, the, the concept or the idea behind a funnel is absolutely nothing new. It is at really at the core of direct response marketing. And to a large extent, it's been at the core of direct response marketing mm-hmm. um, since the beginning of direct response marketing. What is new is the term, 
<laughs> right? Sales yeah. funnel or marketing funnel. And the reality is that, you know, maybe not to the same extent as let's say back in the, you know, back with, you know, Corey or many, many moons ago, um, the funnels weren't as extensive as they are today, Yes. Uh, be, you know, because the technology was different and, and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, the way I view a marketing funnel is it's the process that I lead a prospect through to lead them from, uh, to take them from their desire to demand for my product. And so sometimes that funnel is a couple of steps, a couple of web pages. Sometimes it's multiple web pages. Sometimes it's a combination of video and, and email and the written word and direct mail. But all it is, is it's just a, it's, it's really the, the simplest way to look at it is it's a marketing campaign, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's a marketing campaign. That's really all it is. It's a marketing campaign. It, it totally is. And, and, you know, I back to what you're saying, I think, the complexity has increased um, a, a lot in terms of the number of steps, the number of uh, methods of reaching people, communicating with people, touching people through a funnel uh, ha has increased. So the complexity has increased. But on the flip side of that as well, I, I think the technology that now exists today to make funnels, the development of funnels is just so much easier than what it was when we first got started. Oh, it's, it's, I, uh, again, I couldn't agree with you more. Like it's, I tell, that's why when it, it's funny because, you know, you've been at this a long time, uh, and I've been at this a long time. Uh, you've been at this longer than I have. Um, uh, um, but you know, it, I, when, when I hear people that like, they're like, it's difficult. I'm like, you don't even know no. what difficult <laughs> is. <laughs> like, you, right. you know, you, right. Like remember that when oh. we didn't have WordPress, like I remember we were creating pages in like front page and dream oh, yeah. and like, right. Oh God. And I, and I mean like, uh, upsells and upsell pages and you know, one click or like that stuff didn't exist. You nope. needed to be, but you had to be a programmer. Yes. Yes. I mean, and so today you're absolutely right. It's, it, you know, it's never been easier. Ironically. And I, I love, you know, I, I love the, 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 where you're, you're taking this conversation. Uh, and I could talk about this. I know we could talk about this for hours, but you know, I really think Derek that, you know, the, um, the, because it's easy, uh, today or significantly easier today to put up a funnel. There are a lot more struggling marketers out there um, because they think that the answer lies in the tactical aspect of the of the funnel. Meaning, they think that the answer, they think a winning funnel is having a squeeze page or an opt-in page, having a VSL, having mm. an order form, and then having an upsell. And they think that those pages, right, like those pages make the funnel a winning funnel. And the part that they're missing, which is the part that I really focus on and, and spend the majority of my time with our clients and coaching students and whatnot is the message behind, like, again, going back to old school direct response marketing, what are you saying to prospects? Because you could have the nicest website, your colors could match the, the, the pages that you love, the marketer that you love. You could have the same looking pages, the same steps, the same tactics, the same everything. But if your underlying idea for your marketing message, your underlying hook, your underlying marketing message, your offer is off the mark, I don't care how great your pages look. I don't care what steps you have. You're going to fall flat on your face. At the same time, on the flip side, if you nail the core, right, meaning the, the big idea for your marketing funnel and you nail, you put together a rock solid, logical and emotional argument for your, your product, for your offer, and then you put together an irresistible and superior offer, you can have an ugly page. You, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles and you'll still make money. That's not to say that you want an ugly page. That's just to say that the core is where the answer lies. And the core is what so many people are missing today because of how easy it is mm -hmm. to throw up a funnel these days. Hallelujah, brother. I, I, could, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I mean, with ClickFunnels, lead pages, stuff like that, you know, people grab these pages and just kind of fit, even just modify the copy that was there yeah. and, and wonder why it, it, it's not working. And, and you know, there's a theme this week. I, I just did an interview uh, recently with, do you know Ed O'Keefe? 
Yes, sure. Yeah, so I just did an interview with Ed O'Keefe. And, and I mean, we had this exact same conversation of, you know, what is the most important skill that you need to succeed as a, a digital entrepreneur? And, and it's the marketing, it's the strategy, it's the, you know, I asked Ed, where did he start learning? He's like, it's copywriting. Right. Yeah. It's it's learning the it's learning how to sell the positioning, the languaging, and then the tools like ClickFunnels and lead pages and stuff. That just makes it easier for us to get it up there faster and to test more things at a faster rate. And that's what I love about today is the the speed at which we can create and test is massive. Mm. But too many people are overlooking the real uh, ingredient for success in the funnels, and it's exactly yeah. what you just said. Yeah, no, man, I, I, man, we're so, you know, simpatico on, uh, on that view, man. Like, you know, the tools are not like, you know, people, you know, people are, in, it's, it's, it's funny. And I, you know, I want to make sure that we give like some great guidance today, but just to finish this little tangent, you know, it's amazing how many marketers are enamored by like, they'll, they'll, they're like, Todd, what, what tools do you guys use at, at, at MFA? And I'm like, I'll tell you the tools, but the tools are insignificant yeah. because you take, right. You take me, you, you take, you know, Russell Brunson, Ryan Dice, and you line up the 10 best marketers, you know, mark my words, they're going to be a variety of different tools, mm -hmm. different autoresponders, different CRMs, different page builders. It's not the tool. The tool isn't the answer. It's what you do with the tool. It's the, it's the idea behind your funnel, right? It's the hook. It's the message. It's the offer. It's the core of direct response. And so it's amazing, Derek, to be honest with you, man, it really, this is me being, this is me, you know, bearing my soul on your podcast. <laughs> it's amazing how, you know, people, think that um, I'm this marketing funnel wizard, right? Like they think that I have this skill set, like, and I like, look, I, I have certain skill sets, but the reality is that I just recognize that at the core of everything that we do with today's technology, all the advanced stuff that we can do with retargeting, with segmentation, with dynamic follow-up, with per personalization, with all these things that at, none of those things matter if you don't have the foundation. Yeah. Right. And it, it starts with the foundation, man. And so, okay, so let's dive into that then. And, and let's, let's focus on the foundation, right? Um, all the other crap aside, the technology, the stuff like that, that most people get enamored with the foundation, walk us through that. What is, what is the foundation of a good funnel? Yeah, that's awesome, man. Oh my gosh. You have no idea how happy I am to hear you ask me that question and not, <laughs> and not another question, man. It's so awesome. So, wow, that's, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. Um, <laughs> so let me start, um, let's start big picture and then you tell me where you want to drill in. But sure. so first and foremost, um, I, first and foremost, really big picture. So I got one of the best pieces of advice on marketing that, um, I, I've ever gotten from anybody from Mark Ford. Uh, he, many of your listeners might know him as Michael Masterson. Yep. He's right. New York times bestseller. Dude is brilliant. Yep. Um, guy behind Agora, you know, half a billion dollar year company. And, and out of all the things that he said, and I've learned a tremendous amount from him. Uh, I'm just blessed that he lives, you know, 15 minutes away from me. He said this to me, he said, Todd, he said at the foundation of what we do, first and foremost, we are in the idea business. We are in the business of developing interesting, compelling, engaging ideas. Everything that we do as marketers stems from ideas and the quality, he said to me, of your ideas, the ideas behind your funnel, which we'll talk about in a second, are, are ultimately what determine the quality of your marketing funnel message, your marketing promotion, your marketing campaign. So first and foremost, at the root of a wildly effective marketing funnel is what is typically referred to as a big idea. And a big idea, and we're going to get a little bit in depth in just a second. And so if I over, if I pass something quickly, Derek, definitely tell me. Definitely. So a big idea meets a big idea. First and foremost is I'm not talking about a big idea for your product. I'm not talking about your next breakthrough product, your next breakthrough, you know, management strategy. I'm now talking about the idea behind the marketing message, the idea behind your copy. Remember a headline is just a communication device to communicate an underlying 
idea. That idea could be plain vanilla. It could be uh, um, nothing new. It could be average. It could be nothing compelling, or it can be a wildly compelling, interesting, new, fresh, unique idea that's being communicated in a headline. You can also take a headline and change the copy, change the verbs, change the words, but still leave the underlying same boring plain vanilla run-of-the-mill idea there, right? Before you write a single word of copy for a marketing funnel, you need to develop a big idea. Big idea is made up of two components. The first component of a big idea is, is that it is emotionally compelling. And we make a big idea emotionally compelling with two subcomponents. First is that there's always a primary promise. What is the promise, not of your product, not of your company, not of your brand, but what is the promise of transformation, of result, of change that, um, that you're making to your prospects when they engage with your marketing funnel message? How are they going to benefit from engaging? What Meaning, right, in, in the type of marketing that we do in direct response, there's information that's conveyed. We're going to tell them something. We're going to strategically teach them something with, right, with strategically designed education. What is the transformation, the big transformation? I'm not talking about all the benefits of your product or service. I'm talking about the primary promise, the big, most exciting, most compelling, most audacious, true and believable promise that you're making um, to prospects. The thing that they want, the thing that gets them excited or gets their blood boiling or gets their heart pumping, right? That's number one. The second aspect of making it emotionally compelling is where a lot of marketers go wrong. Cause a lot of marketers get the, uh, that, that their job is to make a promise, right? Like they get that it's all about the prospect. It's all about the benefit, but here's where the magic comes in that, that, that the second component of being emotionally compelling is that your primary promise is backed and delivered by what's referred to as a unique mechanism. A unique mechanism is nothing more than the unique part, piece, process, aspect, component, system, methodology of your product or service that fulfills the primary promise. It's the unique part, piece, component, process, aspect of your product or service that actually delivers the result, that is responsible for the transformation. And those things in combination, the primary promise and the unique mechanism combined, the reason why they make the, the idea uh, emotionally compelling is because it gives prospects hope. It gives them hope that maybe this time around with your product, with what you're talking about, with the information you're giving them, that they will experience the, the promise, the outcome, because it's being delivered by a unique mechanism, because it's being delivered by something they've never seen before, they've never heard before, they've never experienced before, they've never tried before. And so it allows them to get excited about the promise because maybe it can be fulfilled because there is this unique thing right, that I've never experienced before. See, when you take out the unique mechanism, it becomes another, yeah, right, I've heard that. I've heard that mm -hmm. I can lose weight in a week. I've heard that this can get me first page rankings on, on Google. I've heard that this can give me an Amazon store. I've heard that this can turn me into a copywriting genius. I've heard that, mm -hmm. right? And so without that unique mechanism, it triggers what we call mental opt-out. Oh, I've seen that. Oh, I've heard that. Oh, there's a video on that. There's, there's a book on that. So-and-so is talking about that. So that's the first component, that, right? That idea is emotionally compelling because it has a primary promise that's backed by a unique mechanism. Now, the second um, of the two components that make up a big idea, and this is the, this is the, the, the one that 99% of your typical average digital marketer leaves out. Um, and I believe they leave it out because they've just never been taught this. I know I wasn't prior to, uh, becoming friends with Mark. Um, and that is that a big idea is intellectually interesting. That means that it is of interest to the prospect. That means that it, it, they view it as, uh, as sort of a, a news item. They view it as something that they'd be interested in hearing more about and understanding more about and knowing more about, even if there was no primary promise or unique mechanism. It's something that, right, like that is of interest to them. And so you've got a big idea is intellectually interesting and emotionally compelling. Now, a couple of other quick things, Derek. So a big idea is an idea that uh, meets the following criteria. 
it's new, it's unique, right? So it's different, it's new, unique, it's different. It has the feeling of being fresh and timely. Um, it's made up of one idea. So it's not like a mix of a lot of little ideas, like what a lot of marketers do. If you look at some headlines, you'll see that they, right, because they don't have clarity on a single big idea, they end up trying to strengthen their, their idea, strengthen their headline by incorporating multiple mediocre ideas, right? And so they end up with, you know, this jumbled, you know, one, one idea, um, and, uh, and it's immediately understandable. It's mm -hmm. not something that they need to, you know, watch, you know, the, the rest of the video or read on in the copy. They get it right away, uh, you know, uh, immediately understandable. And so those are the ideas that we are, before we write a single word of copy, before we craft any aspect of the funnel, we always work to develop an idea that the market is going to see as new, unique, fresh, different, exciting, intellectually interesting, and emotionally compelling. Today, you have to have that if you're going to stand out in the marketplace, get attention, and create engagement. Does that make sense, man? I, that, that makes sense at, at so many levels. And that was, that was probably the best explanation of, of that entire concept that, I, that I've ever heard. So uh, that was amazing. Cool. Now, can, can we, and, and I know you, you work with a lot of clients, and there's confidentiality, can you give us an example of one that stands out that can, you know, so people can see what you just explained in practice. Yeah. So, um, let me just think for one second of what a, um, let me, let me give an example that won't, that not from my, my clientele and I, the, the best, fine, yeah. the best thing, the, the, one of the best things that I, I would tell your listeners to do is the company that's hands down bar none the best at this and, and the company that built their empire because of this is Agora. Mm -hmm. And so I would recommend that you go to agorafinancial.com. Uh, my buddy Joe Schrieffer runs that division. Phenomenal stuff they put out. And Stansberry Research, right? These are you know divisions that are wildly successful. Stansberry Research put out uh, the most successful financial investing newsletter promotion of all time, um, many years ago. And so I'll, I, I, I love the example and there are tons, but I love the example from, uh, Porter created a promotion, uh, the promotion that really launched Stansberry research today, Stansberry research is like, uh, about a hundred million dollar a year division at Agora <clears throat> And he released a promotion many moons ago. Now, before I give you, give you the idea, I just want everybody to know that this, uh, the promotion, this marketing piece, this marketing funnel, this marketing campaign, whatever we want to call it, was selling a $47 a year printed newsletter about investing in stocks, right? Nothing, mm -hmm. you know, nothing revolutionary, no crazy, right? A $47 a year paper, black and white newsletter on investing in stocks. Now, the promotion was uh, something like, and I'm going to paraphrase this. You could probably do a Google search and find this. I can also give you uh, a screenshot of this if you want to include it in the show notes or something. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the, uh, the, the headline said something like, there's a new railroad across America and it's making, uh, what did it say? And it's about, and it's making some investors uh, extraordinarily wealthy. And then there was a subhead that was like, in fact, one trader, you know, has done a million dollars a day for the last 526 days straight, like something like that. Yeah. And so you think like, so let's, let's look at a couple things. So number one, um, you've got um, this, there's a new railroad across America and it's making some investors, you know, extraordinarily wealthy, right? So right off the bat is an, if you're an investor in the equity markets, you know, that that's, that's an interesting idea. That's like, what is that about? Right. If I'm an investor, I'm curious to know, what do you mean there's a new railroad and where is this railroad being built and how are people making money from it? And is there an opportunity for me to make money? So from an intellectual perspective, it was different. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's right. See, let me take a step back and say that. Right. So why couldn't Porter have just said, like, how to invest in stocks and get rich 
or right how to invest in the stock market and get wealthy, how to load your retirement account with uh, you know smart stock investing. Well, he couldn't say that because the market was too sophisticated for that. The market would have mentally opted out. The market has heard that. That's nothing new. It's nothing different. It's nothing unique. Really? And therefore, it's not compelling. You have to have something new, unique, different to bring to the market if you want to get attention and create engagement. And so that's, um, that's how Porter started. Now, let me just explain what the promotion was really about so that you can see how this idea was developed. And then we'll talk a little bit about very quickly how you develop ideas. So the promotion was about how voice over IP at the time was radically changing the telecommunications landscape and voice over IP was going to, um, you know, with, you know, internet phone calls and all that was, was going to blow up change the way people made phone calls. And if you knew which companies were leading the charge and you got in them now, you stood to make a fortune. And, and so, right. But what Porter did was, and this is where the, how do you develop these kind of big ideas comes into play? What Porter did, right. Big ideas, coming up with ideas doesn't require you to be, um, this naturally creative individual coming up with, with big ideas, breakthrough ideas, startling ideas, arresting ideas is about you looking for connections that, uh, between two things that other individuals don't naturally see. It's, again, looking for connections, finding connections, developing connections. And ideas don't just come organically. You don't sit down at your desk with a blank document and expect that, boom, here's a big idea. And they're developed. They happen through the research and examination Millions stage of, of developing a funnel. What Porter saw was, in his mind, he saw a connection between the spread of voice over IP in, in the United States and the way the railroad was being built across America. And he equated, saw a connection between the opportunity today and the opportunity that, um, that, you know, uh, they had, you know, years ago, the, the fortunes, the, the titans of industry that were created from the spread of the railroad. And that's how that, that, that promo started. It was, you know, you're looking out over a train, you got top hail, uh, uh, top hat and tails and blah, blah, blah. And, and he talked, he started off that promotion talking about the industry, the, the, the Vanderbilts, the people that made monster legacy type fortunes from that. And he equated that with a similar opportunity that we have now at the time with the spread of voice over IP and that promotion put their company on the map. That one idea wow. put their their company on the map. And here's the, here's the reality. Most people would have written a headline that says how voice you know how how to make money investing in voice over IP. Exactly. That's right. you're so on the money. That's exactly right. And yeah. you know what happens is there you know no like the 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 like like look, let me say this. You know that you know there are some instances where you can get away with that, right? Like like mm -hmm. I, I I teach clients that like if you're in a level 1 um, uh, if you're in a, a, a marketplace that's level one marketplace sophistication, and that, that, that term comes from Gene Schwartz, everybody listening should read breakthrough advertising every single year. Um, but if you're in a level one marketplace where the promise, the primary promise that you are about to make has, has never been made to that market before, all you have to do to stand out and get attention is make that promise. Right. Mm -hmm. The first time that the first company released fat burners, you know, the, the pills that you take to burn fat and speed up your metabolism, all they had to say was take this pill and you'll lose weight. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. but it was you know, revolutionary. But, yeah. Right. It was revolutionary. It was breakthrough. It was never heard before. It was different. It was unique. It was exciting. It was compelling. It was crazy. Right. Today, I don't care how great your supplement is. If your ad says take this pill and you'll lose, lose weight, you're going out of business. Yeah. Right. And so that's, you know, that's what happens is what if you're in a market where you are talking about, you know, how to make money, uh, investing in voice over IP and other people have said that already. Well, what do you do? How do you break through the noise? How do you get attention? You develop a big idea. And, and I guess that's the, you know, for the listeners here who are sitting there going, well, you know, my product does X or Y, um, there's other products that do that or similar products that do that you know, do I have to change my product? And, and what you're saying is it's not necessarily about changing the outcome of your product or necessarily even how it does it. It's about how you're positioning it. Absolutely, man. I think that you, and that's why that's the brutal truth. 
Yep. The brutal truth, right? The brutal reality is that marketing is all about perception. Yes. Marketing is about positioning. It's about couching, right? You can present the, the same thing 12 different ways. And those 12 different ways can have a, a, a wildly different impact on the perception that people have of the product. And so you're absolutely right. And look, you know, you can allow your product to be viewed as a commodity by the way you describe it, the way you position it, the way you present it, or you can differentiate it. And there are always ways to do that. Even in the most commoditized markets, there are always ways to reposition what it is that you are bringing. I don't care. I We've got clients in like uh, some today, like over 70 different niches with some of the most, some typical products and some of the most insane products like, you know, custom soaps and all kinds of crazy, you know, crazy products. And there's always a way you mm -hmm. have to, you, you gotta, you know, you have to, the thing that we didn't talk about um, is that you, you know, all marketing funnel development, all marketing funnel engineering always always begins with, um, with research or at, you know, at, at marketing funnel automation, we teach a process that's called, um, E five camp camp stands for customer acquisition marketing protocol. And the first E there are just five stages. The first E is examine. And we teach our, you know, students, we teach, you know, that you have to examine research, your prospects, your competitors, and your product. Right. Because you have to meaning that there are things that you, you look for, obviously, with prospects, you're looking for wants, emotions, beliefs, right. With competitors, you're looking for what are, what are their prime, what, what's their primary promise? Are they using a unique mechanism? What are, what what do their offers look like when you're examining the product? That's where you're digging in and you're looking for um, fodder. You're looking for bits that you can use for unique um positioning. And so all of that, that's why I say that a big idea is developed. It's developed out of the examining you do, and it can be done. You just have to dig and, uh, and invest ample time in that, in that examining stage. And, you know, you've already given, I mean, for everybody listening, definitely head over to the, the sites that, uh, that Todd mentioned here. Um, cause the Agora sites, you know, like when you were talking there, I was listening and I pulled up, uh, Stansbury research, right. And, and they have a headline here that says recent U S pre presidential candidate warns financial martial law could seize up to 80% of your life savings overnight. Yep. And I was like, that's brilliant. Right. And, and you think, yeah, you, you think like, you know, like, you know what the first response from a lot of listeners is going to be, they're going to go there and be like, who the heck, like who the heck buys this kind of stuff? You would be surprised. Oh, <laughs> you would be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it's funny because I've, I've, I'll never forget. Um, I was, I was doing a conference in the UK, and, uh, and the conference was all filled through a, you know, a, a funnel with direct response, and you know, I had probably just eight hundred people in this conference room in the UK, and uh, a couple of the guys came up to me after, and he said. I don't think this direct response stuff will really work in the UK. It, it won't work on the, uh, on the Brits. And I said, oh, why are you here? Right. How did you get here? Well, you, you sent us an email. Right. And, and where did the email send you to? Well, to a page. And what was on that page? Well, a sales letter. And, and, you know, and, and you walk them through. The, and I'm like, have you ever purchased other stuff from me? Well, yeah. Absolutely. And then you're like, okay, it works on the Brits, right? So, but, so, so to your point, you're right. People will go here and they'll look and go, oh, I, I would never buy that. That's not the right, you know, it won't work, but it will. And, yeah. And, and, and uh, I, I can't, oh, I'm glad to hear you say it because I've had that conversation so many times, that argument so many times. And uh, so, okay, so, uh, you know, at the root of it is, is the idea you've broken it down. You have, have explained it more succinctly and better than I think I've ever heard it explained, which kudos. That was amazing. Awesome. And, you. and so, um, now let's let's shift gears because uh, I'd love to get your take on the landscape today with the uh, what's happening as far as what's specifically working in funnels. And when I say that, what I mean is let's let's rewind, you know, a decade ago when um, it was easier and we could just put up a you know long copy sales letter with you know no video, no audio, no squeeze pages. You could drive cold. You could drive email traffic to it and convert like crazy. 
Yeah. So what, uh, what, what are you seeing today as far as, del- you know, understanding the big idea, the co- you, you need to have the strategy, but what's working from a delivery standpoint? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. Uh, I don't know if I can answer the, that question that big. Um, sure. I, I think it really depends on, I, I'll give you some general stuff that like it just applies across the board, but if you want to get into some specifics, um, yeah, we could talk about, uh, I'm just trying to think of like, cause it, it really depends, you know, like what it, you know, like it depends on the product. It depends on the price point. You know, there are different funnels that are, uh, that are working more effectively for different products. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes in certain markets, uh, you know, free plus shipping offers are doing really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, even, even e-commerce today, like, right. Free plus shipping, um, is a very, very effective strategy today because it allows you to advertise products for free on, uh, on Facebook and then, uh, break even with your shipping costs. But then through the upsells, you're able to, um, you know, you're able to, to, uh, recoup your ad spend. Let me, let me generally just a few things that I would say off the bat. Number one, let me just try to think for one second what, uh, and push me if you want some others or more. Number one, everybody on here should be adding a bump offer on their order form. I don't care what you're selling. A bump offer is, um, is just an extra offer on the order form that just requires a checkbox to be ticked for somebody to add the extra offer, um, to the order. It should require no more than, um, three sentences max to explain it. Uh, and it should be a fraction of the cost of what it is that they are, um, buying. So if you're selling something for, you know, 40 bucks, you should have a bump offer. That's 14, 19, uh, even $23, um, max, but you will see that, um, a tremendous percentage. Like it's a rarity that we don't see at least 35% of people to take that. In some cases we see as high as 60% take advantage of the bump offer. Um, one other thing that we are seeing is that, uh, and we've seen this for a little while now, but the old school, uh, idea of offering a a quote unquote upsell like McDonald's does a one click upsell, um, after the main product an upsell, that's three times the cost of the main product. Like typically what you hear in internet marketing circles is, Hey, do what McDonald's does. And after somebody buys your hundred dollar product, bring them to a, um, you know, an upsell that is three times the price, you know, typically. So offer them something for 300 bucks. That's what McDonald's does. You need to do that. The reality is that's not at all what McDonald's does. You know, like I say, I've said many times before, where in the freaking real world of commerce can you go? And are you offered something that's three times the price of what you just bought? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. Right. You go in, you buy, you buy an iPad. You're not offered an iMac, right? You're offered a charger. You're offered a case. You're offered. And so one of the things that we found is that, um, we use what's called a reverse add on and a reverse add on is, is really the, the, it's really the mainstream way of doing quote unquote upsells. A reverse add on is an additional offer that delivers more value. It either brings them quicker results, uh, makes it easier, or it gives them something that's the next step in the journey for them. And it's a fraction of the price of what they just paid. Typically, we price those add on offers up to 80%. So if somebody paid $100, we'll offer them an add on that's up to 80. At 80%, you can expect uh, when you're, when you price it at 80%, you can expect to see anywhere from 30 to 40% of your new customers take advantage of it. When you price it at closer to 60%, meaning if you just sold somebody something for $100 and now you're giving them an add-on offer for, um, for $60, um, you could see upwards of 50 to 60% of your new customers take advantage of that. And, and so there's, there's additional benefits to doing that uh, beyond just increasing um, average transaction size. Like one of the things that nobody talks about, Derek, is that we found over and over and over again that there is um, 
an inverse relationship between uh, take rate on your upsells or your add-on offers and refund rate. Meaning that the 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 more that people the more of your people that take advantage of your add-on or upsell offer, the lower your refund rate gets. And so, right. And so that's something to think about, right? The people that take two upsells or two add-on offers are significantly less likely to refund compared to the individual that just takes the front end product and nothing else. And you'll test it, you know, measure it yourself. And, and, uh, and I think that you'll see that, uh, uh, more often than not. And so we don't only use our add-on offers to bump average transaction size. We use them to bump average transaction size and, to reduce refunds and to identify our hottest new customers that should be moved into the back end that much quicker. Um, then, and so there's that. The other thing, and it's more general for those people that are listening to, uh, listening to, uh, using Facebook advertising, um, and doing any kind of media buying that the days of, uh, the days of simply, running an ad and sending people to a direct to a squeeze page, um, are those days are dying a, a, a quick, a quick death. And today, unfortunately, or fortunately, depends on how you look at it. Um, you need to, with a lot of third party platforms, leverage an additional stage of, um, of content. You need to use compelling content First, like on Facebook, without going into excruciating detail on the Facebook advertising platform, you need to um, put out valuable, uh, valuable and um, and uh, and uh, content that's related um, in front of your targeted audience, so that you get your. Um, uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Your your score on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, down, like it's amazing how you will your your cost per click will go up your or excuse me will go down when you've used content first to identify a targeted audience. When you create engagement with content on Facebook, um, your your cost per click will like and so there's a whole different game mm-hmm. today. And that's not my like you know we have somebody on our team that does that. But that's a, a massive shift. So with that, and I've been seeing the same shift happening, and it's 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 inevitable. I mean, it happened with AdWords, right? You can't just go straight to squeeze. You can't go to um, – so, so, I mean, it was inevitable it was going to happen. Now, with your insights into the industry, seeing different campaigns, although the cost per click is going down – are you are you still ending up with a similar result? Because you're adding another step to this process. Yeah, the answer is, and and I feel you, man, because what you're asking is exactly the way that uh, that I felt and and why I resisted it, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you know, thinking that, wow, okay, so we're you know you're running you're you're running an ad that's actually a piece of content, and then from the content you're either retargeting them or you know uh, or you're you're running another ad to get them to. The answer is ultimately um, yes. That in the end, you're, the the result that you're looking for, the result that we're getting is the same. But let me just give a caveat, and the caveat to that is this: that and and this could be a whole another um, episode or conversation that we we have. And I'd love to have it with you, man, because I'd love to pick your brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but is the fact that like we're in the math game, right? Like we're in the arithmetic game. You know, that's like something that, you know, I first learned very early on, ignored it for many years until I realized like that we're in the numbers game. I don't mean numbers as in volume. Like I'm not talking about like salesmanship where it's numbers. You got to see people. You got to see people. I'm talking about that. It's actual it's it's actual math and you need to understand the math of of direct response marketing. I say that in this context with what we're talking about because because ultimately what we are looking for on the front end, front end being all the marketing that we do to acquire new customers, not, you know, the marketing that we do when we're marketing a product to an existing customer, somebody who's bought already, that's back end, right? Mm-hmm. Front end, excuse me, front end is all about customer acquisition. Our goal with the front end is to acquire maximum the maximum number of new customers at a reasonable cost. What is a reasonable cost 
is is different for every business and is what we're constantly working on. And in our business, right, we we're willing to go negative on the front, meaning that, you know, I'm willing to pay. Let's just throw out an example. I'm willing to pay $55 to acquire a new customer, even if that customer only spends $45 with me. And that's only because, right, we know we know our numbers. We know what the average customer is worth. We know when the second purchase is coming on average. We know how much the, the, the average new customer spends over the first six months with us. I share that with you because we're always working on being able to invest even more to get a new a new customer. Like, you know what? Let, let me throw let me throw this out. I know I'm rambling a little bit, no, so I apologize this is for that. All incredible stuff. I'm just like uh, I love it. And so I could talk for totally. I'm just gonna uh, wind you up and let you go. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Uh <laughs> no, keep um, going. Yeah, but um, but you know, like I used to have this idea early on that I believe holds back. I know it held me back, uh, and it holds back a lot of entrepreneurs. Um and, uh, and small business owners. And that is right. Like the typical mindset is that you want to invest the least amount that you possibly can into marketing, right? That's like what the average mom and pop believes. Like I want to spend, if I could spend zero on marketing, I'm crushing it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to spend 10 grand a month or 20 grand or 50 grand. I want to spend the least amount that I possibly can. But the reality is that the biggest direct response companies, the most successful direct response companies and marketers view marketing and customer acquisition uh, very differently from that. In fact, it's the antithesis of that view. Mm -hmm. And and that is that I want to be able to invest the most amount that I possibly can. And and we teach clients that like there are three different ways to approach customer acquisition or three different ways to view what it is that you invest and spend in customer acquisition. The first is the typical mom and pop, right? The typical business owner out there, they've got a small business online, offline, whatever. They look at every transaction um, the same way, right? That it's a, it's a transaction is a transaction. They're looking to get a, they're looking to have a profit margin in every transaction, regardless of whether it's with a brand new customer or a customer who's on their, their 10th purchase. They don't see the difference between front end, back end. There is no difference. The purpose of a transaction for them is to generate profit. Then we've got the next level of entrepreneur or marketer who understands the difference between a, a front, the front end and, and back end and the difference in objective between the, the, the two. Um, for those at that level, we, we, we start them on the front end at break even. That just means if they spend a thousand bucks or invest a thousand bucks in Facebook ads and Google AdWords in email solos in banners, whatever that all we're looking to do in that campaign is to acquire enough customers to recoup the thousand bucks. Right, because again, the whole objective of the front end when you're marketing to prospects is to acquire maximum new customers at a reasonable cost. In this case, the the safest cost, if you're if you're going to use that word, is break even. That means I lay out a thousand bucks, I get a thousand bucks back, but with that thousand bucks, I now have new customers that I'm going to put into the back end, and I have leads that we can follow up with. So it's not a cost, it's not an expense, it's an investment. I put out a thousand, I get the thousand back with customers with leads. And now I have the ability to put those customers into the back end for, to, to provide them with more value. They spend more money. Um, and we have the opportunity to follow up with leads with different promotions, different offers, different products and, and, and so on. Right. So it's not an expense. It's an investment. And then we've got the third stage, which is exactly what I mentioned, which is where you go beyond break even when, when you have the cash flow. And you know your numbers, you know your lifetime customer value, um, you're able to invest in the in acquiring customers. You're willing to invest based on not what their value is today, but what their value is going to be in a month, in three months, in six months. In essence, when you operate at that third level, you're thinking more like an investor. You're investing in the acquisition of assets. Those assets are your customers, and those assets have a certain worth today. That's what they spend with you today, right, in that, in that first transaction. And they have a certain value with you over the next month, two months, three months, four months, right? So it's, in essence, you're investing a dollar for a stock that only pays you 50 cents today, but then it pays you 50 cents again next month and the month after and the month after and the month after and the month after, right? And so if you, if, if you knew that, Right, if you knew that with certainty because you know your numbers and you had the cash, 
of course you'd trade a dollar today for six dollars and fifty cents in 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 six months. The thing for everybody to realize is that going back to the second level, which is where I recommend everybody to begin, it's the safest it's the safest uh, 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 field to play on. Um, is that well? Why would you want to arbitrarily cap how much you could invest? If every time you invest a dollar or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars, you got that money back plus customers and leads. That's you building your customer base, you building your list of leads for free. Mm-hmm. Right. So why would you want to have an arbitrary marketing budget that says, hey, we can only invest two thousand when if every time you put that two thousand in, you get the two thousand back plus customers and leads, it would be it's a foolish mistake mm-hmm. to arbitrarily cap that. I want to can I like when when we used to work with agencies in the past, traffic agencies before we brought it in house, they would say like, "What's your budget?" And I would say, "If you're at break even, spend as much as you possibly yeah. can, as fast as you possibly can. Like, yeah. spend it all. Don't. There is no limit. Exactly. Right. And so, hopefully, that makes sense. That, that, that's such a powerful message, and you you explained it so well. And it's it's one of my beefs, right? You know, I'm doing a conference, I'm working with clients and 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 my students, and. You know, one of the questions I get is, hey, I'm about to start, uh, I, I want to do some uh, paid advertising by Facebook traffic or AdWords or something like that. And they say, how much should I budget? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the wrong question. Yeah. It's the, completely the wrong question. We're direct response marketers. We're not branding, right? Yeah. That, yeah. That's not it's what that- it's about. Yeah, because you're you're so right, man. Because you know it's that it's that old school mom and pop mentality where they're they're looking at that marketing as a as an expense, as a line item mm-hmm. on their right on their P and L, as if it was the same as the telephone and lights. They don't realize that, like, look, if you put a dollar out and you get a dollar back plus a a customer and a lead, why the you should want to put that dollar in every single minute of every single day, yeah. constantly, and that's the game. That's the difference in like, you know, there are, there are some marketers that ask me like, what is like, Todd, if there was one secret to growing big and growing fast, what, what is it? Well, certainly besides like uh, assuming that they've got the marketing stuff nailed that we talked about, like the basics of direct response and you know, like they've got that stuff nailed. Mm -hmm. It's all about how aggressive are you willing to be with customer acquisition? Yeah. Right. Like that's it. That's the whole game. Yeah. You know? Yeah, abs- absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, what I, I mean, free traffic used to exist. <laughs> yeah. um, I, and today, you know, I, I'm all for getting free traffic. But what I tell everybody starting down this road is if you want to truly build a reliable, scalable business, you need to be able to acquire leads. Amen. And and that's how the guys go from small business to seven, eight, nine figures. It's the guys Amen. that max that. And here, you know, here's the thing: you've been doing this for a while. You've worked in the offline world as well. You have. You, I'm sure you've done some direct mail stuff like that. The cost to test, the speed at which we can test now, and the ability now to. Um, shorten the life cycle of selling and make back profit has shrunken massively. I mean, we used to do direct mail stuff and I mean, just the upfront cost that you would have to put out before you'd even see a penny back was massive. Yeah. And and today, I mean, we can set up funnels quick. We can buy traffic. We can start getting results quickly, fine tuning, upselling. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's incredible what we can achieve today um, for what comparably used to be a huge investment. Um, so, uh, okay, so we're, uh, I could go on all day. I'm really enjoying <laughs> this conversation, um, but we are almost at a time and you have fully over delivered. Um, so, the last question is, where do people connect with you? Where do they learn from you? Where do they find out more? That's awesome. Um, they could just go to marketingfunnelautomation.com. Um, click on the blog. We've got a bunch of great articles. Uh, you can jump on our list somewhere if you want to keep hearing my crazy ideas. Um, and if you want to learn more, we have a, we have a, a, a great funnel tracking application, um, that you can check out if you want to better understand your numbers, that's at conversionfly.com, and certainly can reach out to me on, um, on Facebook. I love 
you know, we're, we're blessed, man, with what we get to do in terms of like, you know, like I could tell Derek how passionate you, passionate you are. And I've known that you're passionate. Uh, you know, I've actually followed you for some time myself, which I didn't get to say at the beginning of our, of our time together. Um, and so, yeah, man, feel anybody can reach out, but marketingfunnelautomation.com is the spot to go and and, uh, yeah, man, dude, that was, uh, that was awesome. And again, thanks for taking the time today and just unconditionally just blowing us away with, uh, your knowledge. That was a fantastic conversation and I'm going to have to drag you back and continue this conversation one of these days soon. Would love it, man. Nothing more. And I hope that I get the opportunity, man, to, uh, to bring you into our tribe, dude. Thank you so much, man, for having me on. Awesome. Love it. All right, everyone. That was uh, funnel expert Todd Brown, who just absolutely blew us away with uh, so much valuable information and knowledge and some incredible words of wisdom that I really want you to listen to this a few times, if you, especially if you're just getting started, because there's so much foundational stuff in there that if you don't get this right, you're going to struggle. So uh, as always, uh, any links we mentioned, you're going to find that on our site at entrepreneurignited.com forward slash podcast. Uh, we'll have all the links included with our kick-ass transcript. And uh, don't forget, if you haven't done so already, uh, make sure you subscribe. Head over to iTunes. Subscribe if you haven't already. Leave me a rating. Leave me a review. I love to hear that stuff. If you don't use Apple, head over to SoundCloud or now we're on the Google Play Store. So uh, now, guys, time to take the uh, tips, the tools, the strategies, everything you learned here today and apply the ingredient that'll actually make this stuff work for you. And that ingredient is action. So go forth, take action, apply what you've learned and stay tuned for more info-packed episodes of the Entrepreneur Ignited podcast. This is your host, Derek Gale, signing off. Thanks for listening to another info-packed episode of the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast with Derek Gale. For links to all of the resources plus an entire transcript of this episode, go to entrepreneurignited.com slash podcast. Make sure you never miss another episode. Subscribe now on iTunes or SoundCloud.